weapons of our warfare. Just a bit of a follow-on to what we discussed at the BWS. Um, so, opening scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. Now many Christians today don't realize that we're in a spiritual war. I kid you not, I've never seen something like it, you know. Um, 20 years ago, it was common. Now, people, uh, old Christians, 5, 10 years old, you know, even longer, things are happening in their lives. And when I say to them, but that's like demonic what's happening in your life, you know. And they're like, look at me like blankly, you know. There's no realization or um, people are not aware um, of the demonic side of things that there is actually an enemy out there anyway you know they live their lives and, and they just carry on and it seems like they're, they're blinded you know so I've never seen something like it in my life you know so I've never seen so many believers completely ignorant of our age-old enemy the devil or of his cohorts the demons we have not understood that God has given us spiritual armor a shield and a sword to resist the devil and his works here on earth and to be overcomers and victorious soldiers. I've never seen so many defeated Christians in my life. Never, ever in my life. It's like we are spending more time dealing with Christians than we are with the world. We, we can't we haven't got time to go and speak to the people in the world. Yesterday I was with Christians, you know what I mean? You know, trying to pick up broken Christians who've been Christians their whole lives and still have unforgiveness and all these kind of things in their life, you know what I mean? And no victory. It's a, like a terrible thing I'm seeing, you know. It's like a, uh, something's really missing in our, in, our, in our preaching or in our world today, you know. But we are told in 2 Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I often liken it to Paul. He was in Rome. He saw the Roman soldiers. He saw them probably doing their training, form testudo, lock shields, you know what I mean, you know, marching in all kinds of different formations. And he must have been impressed by this, you know, and he thought, he thought of the Christian walk and he likened it to being a Roman soldier, you know. And 2 Timothy 2, 4, he says, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. You'll find that with the special forces, the guys are focused, you know. They're not watching the rugby and going out here and that they training all the time. They, they're very focused on, on what they're doing. You know, they have a mission in mind and that's, and that's their purpose. And we are warned in Ephesians 16, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're supposed to be strong Christians. You know, the world should see us as, as warriors, as, as, as people that are not shaken by the things of this world. We are not you know, easily influenced by the things of this world. We are, we stand alone. We can stand for God and for Christ. We're not worried about the future because we know who holds the future. Whether there's war or peace this year, we're going to trust the Lord. And we're still going to overcome. I like it when Churchill said, if you find yourself um, going through hell, keep going. You know, we don't <laughs> to stop. We should be strong, but the Christians are not like that. I see them sitting with the world and they're it's, oh, woe is me, and what's going to happen to us? And they are even worse than the world. And what, is, what have you got to offer the world? What are you going to tell them? Follow Christ. And they said, maybe you need to follow Christ. You know, that's what they're going to say. 
So we are to be strong. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the ways of the devil, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So all that fighting that you're having with all these people in your life, you are not wrestling flesh and blood. But you are wrestling flesh and blood. Our churches are wrestling flesh and blood. You know what I mean? They're arguing with the governments. They are when we could take them out, the, the forces that are using them, we could take them out in the spiritual realm, and then the people are, are push over. You know what I mean? We have we don't we have lost that ability. You know, so we we Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual weakness in high places. Ephesians 6.13 Take unto yourself the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And I want to tell you something for every single Christian in this world there will be an evil day. When hell will face against you and your family and you better be ready for that. Because the scripture says it. That you're going to have to withstand there's going to be an evil day for you. I remember years ago I was in a bit of a revival and, uh, and uh, a lot of school, um, older school kids were getting saved. So much so that the teachers from the local school came to our church to find out what was going on, you know. They couldn't understand what was going on, you know. And we were right in the midst of that thing. And I got out of my car one day. And I got home. We were, the kids were full of demons and witchcraft. And you can't believe the nonsense we had, you know. And uh, I was, my house got taped from the front to the other. You know, these audio tapes that the Satanists put curses on and that, you know what I mean. They take my house from tree to tree, so we had to drive in through it, you know, to break it, so-called, you know. But anyway, one day, I get out the car, I'm on my own, it's been a hard week, uh, almost every night in ministry, most weekends full-time, you know, and um, I just felt a voice in my heart say, the enemy has set himself up against you. I thought, okay, I thought, I don't care, bring it on, but I shouldn't say that. You know what I mean? We are not sufficient alone in all these things. You need the church. You need brothers and sisters. And God has ordained that only Christ is above all things. And he's able to withstand the enemy attack. Well, we were smashed. I mean, I lost two men of a building, fell seven stories, both dead. You know what I mean? Disaster after disaster hit us. In our, uh, 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 medically, financially, uh, we were just hit time and time again. You know what I mean? Without, you know, without stopping. What I should have done is gone to my brothers and sisters and said, I felt this is coming, please pray for us and I stand with us now. Lock shields. You know what I mean? Stand with us for what is coming. So you can't, everybody's going to have an evil day. So read that scripture, take up the whole armor of God. So you can't leave your breastplate off, lying there in the corner. Your righteousness, because you're watching stuff you shouldn't be watching, there's your breastplate gone. You're telling lies to the other guy there, your belt's fallen off, and you've got no belts, and so you've got little armor on. You're not reading your Bible, so your shield is this small. You know, and you've got no faith, and you've got a butter knife for a knife. And now the legions look at you, and your family. Dark eyes look your way, and they're coming for you now. And what are you going to do? Stand there. First wave of arrows coming, you put up your little shield like this. And you've got no breastplate of righteousness on, and arrows hit you all over the place. And your life falls apart. You know what I mean? Your family, so then the Christians are divorced next. I kid you not. You know, the divorce rate's the same in the Christian church as it's in the world. We're falling for the, all the enemy's tricks. 
So we are warned to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Withstand means standing against this enemy and not breaking your lives. When the Mongol armies came from the east and crossed over into Europe, no one had ever seen anything like it. They were a horrendous army. They could smell them before you saw them. They'd live on a handful of rice and, and jerky for days. That's all they'd eat. They were so evil, this army. They ate humans as food along the road. I've seen drawings of them cooking the people. They wiped out entire cities. One city, they built a mountain of bones so high that they called it the White Mountain. Something like five million people in the one Indian city they killed. And Europe, Christian Europe was facing this now. As it started to come, they started to swing into Christian Europe. And the Frankish knights tried their charges and it didn't work against these guys. Because they knew how to fight. They'd come in on their ponies and then as your heavy knights charge, they just turn around and then they fire backwards with their arrows like this. And then they've got an ambush waiting down the road for you as you're coming into the valley and they're totally overwhelmed. So the knights realized, what we've got to do, we've got to get off our horses and stand against this army. That's all we can do. So they got off their horses, put their horses away, and they put their shields of Frankish knights and they waited for this army to come. And that was the only way that they could actually fight them. There was no other way. They were able to stand against evil. A great and terrible evil. But I want to tell you, we need to prepare for the evil. Day. And what I see with Christians today, they're not preparing while the tree is green. For the day when the tree is dry. You're not building your faith now, in good times. You know, they say, in times of peace, prepare for war. Your soldiers should be better trained in peace, in times of peace. And Christians need to, while things are going good in your life, you need to build, you need to double up your Bible, you need to be strong. Because I can promise you, in this, especially in where you guys go, that you are going to come under attack, you and your family. And one day you're going to have to fight for your lives. But what will you have in your hand? Will you have a proper shield? Will you have a proper sword? Is all your armor intact? Can you stand like those Frankish knights and just look with hard eyes, steel eyes at this enemy attack and, and repulse them from your family and from your lives? Because you're going to have to. Any Christian can tell you that. Martin Luther knew something in the 1500s about the devil, didn't he? He wrote in his song, A Mighty Fortress. Is our God a bulwark never failing? A helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Mortal is deathly ills. People die. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. He's calling the devil our ancient enemy. He knew him. They knew who the devil was. How do we? We don't even sing songs like us today in the churches. You know, spiritual warfare songs. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. That's Lucifer himself. He's full of hate and madness, and so are all his demon followers for the human race. And they hate us. Every time they hiss at us, they hate us. They've got no time for it. They hate that God has given such weak vessels his power to be able to withstand against them. You know? Martin Luther knew that. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Doth ask who it may be, Christ Jesus it is he. The Lord Sabbath his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. 
You better be ready in this world, bro, because I want to tell you there is evil beyond anything that you can imagine in this world that we are to confront. God has ordained the church to confront. We're the only ones who can confront. We're the only ones with the right weapons and the ability to be able to confront this in horrific darkness that's in this world. And though this world with devil filled should threaten to undo us, he knew that. Why do we not know? We will not fear for God as well this truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Now, this is a spiritual warfare song from the 1500s. Who's even taught that today about our enemies that are, are ruthlessly dangerous and not to be ignored? You know, and then we need to be ready for whatever God's, wherever God's going to take us, whatever situations we are going to face. So Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles mean trick or strategy intended to ensnare or, de- or, or deceive. He's a master at it. You are Mickey Mouse to him. Let me just tell you that right now. They have been deceiving Christians for thousands of years. They know your history. They know what you watch at night. They know what's on your phone. They know what your, your weakness is that you don't even know what your weakness is. They know. And they, and they exploit it at the, at the time they want to. You know what I mean? We've got to wake up. We are not uh, dealing with an enemy that's not dangerous. You know? And we need to not give him any ground to be able to find a place in us that we are sitting with hidden sins in our lives. You must be crazy. It will be used against you at your worst moments. It's like fear, you know. I often say you, you hide fear in your life. You're not dealing with it. Fear of cockroaches. <laughs> you know, you, you're terrified of little cockroaches walking around. Now, okay, that might have been your past. You might have got afraid, but you're not dealing with it as a Christian. And one day you're going to be preaching from a pulpit and the devil will just put a cockroach on that ceiling and then you telling everybody about Jesus and that thing's going to drop here and you're out the door. There's your testimony, God. That's how easy. Or you'll come to you dressed as a cockroach. Honestly, we cannot allow these kind of weaknesses to be in our life. So God has provided us with weapons to be able to defeat the devil and his demons. And I've learned that we have to use different weapons for different demons. Because Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. There are four levels of the demonic kingdom that we are going to encounter in our lives. I was involved in the occult before I became a Christian. I was quite deep in astral projection, um, studying Satanism, all this kind of thing, you know. So when I came to Christianity, I was like really blown away to find that Christ is the king of all the spiritual realm. You know, there was like, wow. Because in the occult, they're still using the protection of, of, of Michael the archangel. Before you do an astral projection, they do the ritual of the banishing pentagrams, which is invoking the power of the archangel Michael, who is not what they think the archangel Michael is. It's probably some demon looks like him. You know what I mean? But... You know, they, they are well aware of all these things, these different kinds of devils and demons in this world. So they laugh at the Christians sometimes. You know, because they see these things. They know they exist. You know? 
So on the principalities, the lower demons, you can include trolls, goblins, fairies, gnomes, etc. That gnome they put in the bottom of the garden, there's something that's living in your garden. It's going to come and live in your garden with that thing. You're endangering your life, your children, because it's going to go for your children. You know, fairies today, they've got fairies everywhere. People, fairies are a demonic thing. They've got nothing to do with God. They don't love Christ. They hate the human race. And I saw a book when my children were young, you know, we were looking through some bookstore, and it said pictures of fairies written by a guy who wasn't a Christian. And these things had teeth and looked horrendous, pointed wings. I said, that's the truth. That's what they are. They're demons. This is not a, a, a game we play. Um, so powers are higher ranking demons that oversee the lower ranks and rule over suburbs. Rulers of darkness are higher ranked demons. Um, unclean birds, the Bible speaks of. Uh, huge demons that rule over principalities. They, they often uh, large things, uh, terribly, terribly looking things. Um, uh, UFOs can be in this category. I want to tell you, because there have been so many sightings of UFOs, they are not from outer space. They are principally they are a, a, a ruler of darkness. They serve the devil. They do not look like God. They've got suckers and bug eyes, and they come out of the center of the earth. They are demonic, and they're not to be talked with or have their familiar spirits, and they serve Satan. Spiritual wickedness in high places, Lucifer, Beelzebub, higher ranking generals of his, and demons who are found as rulers in the cities of the world. Wherever the money is in the world, that's where Lucifer's seat is. The prophet was told in the Old Testament, go say to the king of Tyre, thus saith the Lord. Tyre was the, 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 the most powerful city of the time. All the money was. The prophet goes and he says to, he's speaking to the king, but he says to the behind the king, he's speaking to Lucifer, he says, You were in the Garden of Eden, every precious stone was your covering. He's talking to the real power in the world, where all the money is. You know, look at New York. Aborting babies when they're born. See how evil it is? That's probably the seat, that's where the money centers, where he sits at the moment. Alright, so some weapons that God has given us to use against this filthy horde that seeks only to steal, kill and destroy us. Oh, number one, look, there are so many of them, but I'm only going to deal with, with a few. The Word of God. Okay? The first one. The rock we stand upon, our secure foundation. So we see this incredible encounter between Jesus and Satan in Matthew 4 verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written. What did he hit it? With the sword of the Spirit. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you the son of God, throw yourself down. Notice what the devil said, for it is written. He's quoting scripture back at Jesus. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written. You see, they're sparring with the word of God. The devil's using the word of God against Jesus. Okay? Uh, um, 
Alright, so Jesus said, it's written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the uh, devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to them, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. We see a spiritual encounter this later, but notice the devil's using scripture as well. Although he twists it every now and again a little bit. You know, he's also using it as written. Your enemies know your Bible. They too will say it's written. And Christians don't know the word of God, so they fall. They think, you're sure, that he's right. They have all kinds of doubts and all kinds of nothing. So it's impossible to fight against Satan and his demon without the word of God. It is our sword that God has given us to strike hard at the devil. Now lots of cults know the Bible of the heart. Like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they can quote to you upside down, inside out, and, uh, and take most Christians apart in two seconds, saying it is written. You know, and then the other guys don't know what to say at all. You know, and our Christians are mostly defeated by these uh, Mormons and, and groups like this, you know. So you have to train yourself to be able to do- answer these demons correctly. You can't, reading your Bible all day is, is good, but if you don't train yourself, and equip yourself to be able to deal with these different cults, atheists, all kinds of things. Using the word of God, you will fail. You will not win. For they, it is written, is going to make you look absolutely stupid. Because as Jehovah's Witness can quote the Bible inside out, to their own way, you know. So you have to learn to wield the sword correctly, or you'll not be successful. Now, because we've given different weapons, we find that we have to use different weapons for different demons. I was in um, uh, uh, um, Sri Lanka, and um, we were doing an outreach in Trincomalee, which is on the other side of Sri Lanka, up in the north, where the genocide had happened. And in 2011, they, uh, the Buddhists killed 40,000 Hindus, raped all the women. There's quite a damaged area, you know what I mean? You know? And... Um, uh, we were doing some outreach at night into homes because Christianity is only about 3% in Sri Lanka. You know? And we were doing outreach into homes at night. I went, we went, the first night we got there, we went to a Buddhist group and I made the appeal and everybody that wasn't a believer got saved. Later on in the late evening we went to another group which was a Hindu group and everybody got saved. That's how desperate they are to know the Lord. They are so sick of their stupid religions. Anyway, so we went back to the hotel that night. Um, now it's just a horrible vibe in that place. You can hear the army, the soldiers are there. We're like the only Europeans in that whole uh, town. No, nowhere else do we see anybody else. I thought, she said, they catch us here, now we're in trouble. Eh? But um, when I went back, it was like quite a hectic night. Eh? And I went back to the hotel and I went, we stayed up on the third or fourth floor and the, girl, the two girls who were with us were somewhere else. And I went into my hotel room and I could hear the stinking temple down the road playing this terrible music, which is without harmony. It goes, ding, dong, ding, bong, bong, bong. It's like annoying, you know. It actually hurts your spirit, you know. It's like, what is wrong with these people? You know, they even like this. And um, it's going on the whole night. Anyway, I fell asleep. But the minute I fell asleep, I was awake. It was like daylight and I'm on the stairs, coming up the stairs. Up the stairs of my leg, and I'm, I know this is a demon, but I can see what the demon sees. So we're coming up the stairs, coming up the stairs, gets to my floor, 
I see the, the, the number of the floor there. He, he comes down the floor. I can see through his eyes like it's daylight. He comes and he stops at my room with my number on. Now I'm sleeping inside. He stops at the door, uh, looks at the number and walks straight through the door. As he walks through the door, I wake up in the bed. Inside. You know, I, go, wah. I wake up and all the hairs on my arms and neck and that are standing up. I can feel the presence of this creature from hell in this room. You know what I mean? I can't see. I switch on the lights. You know, I can't see anything. But I just feel absolute hells in this room. So I do my usual rebuking and pleading the blood and nothing's working here with this thing. It's staying. It's not going at all. In the end, I picked up my Bible and I started reading every scripture and they shall cast them out in the name of Jesus. They shall cast out demons. And I'm reading all these scriptures and I'm reading revelations. I'm, I'm, I'm walking up and down just reading these uh, scriptures and I read revelations about the destiny, uh, what's going to happen to the devil and his angels. You know what I mean? Because that actually works. And then after about maybe 10, 15 minutes, I, then the hairs on my arm went up. And I felt it's gone now. But I tried everything else and it didn't work. But when I took the word of God and I read it and I read it and I read it, you know, Psalm 91 I read, you know, anything I could find related to spiritual warfare I read, you know, the Ephesians, you know, I was just hammering with everything because I couldn't see him but I could feel this thing, everything was standing up. I felt, you know, this evil in the material, some stinking Hindu demon or something down the road had seen us witnessing. You know what I mean? And come to see what's all this about now. You know what I mean? But there was a time where um, I found that the word of God was enough. Everything else, I tried the name of Jesus. I tried to rebuke it. I tried to do everything else. Had no effect on this. This, this must have been a high-ranking creature. You know? But that worked. Alright, so the second uh, weapon we have is the name of Jesus. Therefore God has also highly exalted him, Philippians 2, 9, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, or those under the earth. Mark 16, I know not everybody loves these scriptures, but they're there. Mark 16, he said to him, going to the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow them who believe in my name. You know, we've been given the name of Christ. You know, and, uh, such as uh, the most powerful name in the world. But if you don't believe that the name of Jesus is going to work, it's not. You know, that the enemy can smell your doubts miles away. And your lack of faith miles away. You know, so in my name they'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, if they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them, they lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken them, he received up into heaven, sat down on the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere the Lord, working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. I use the name of Jesus all the time in ministry, where I'm, in, in, in everything I do. And what a weapon God has given us. You know what I mean? Um, you, you, we've got to learn to trust the name of Jesus and use it with power. Because you can say, in the name of Jesus. The devil go, what do you say? You know what I mean? Or we can say, in the name of Jesus. And, and, and drive devils from the battlefields. A great man of God said he had a, a man of God said he had a dream, and he saw in the dream he saw a huge demon before. So he tried to rebuke it in the name of Jesus, but it came out like a squeak. In the name of Jesus. 
you know, and the thing still stood there towering over him. But he carried on trying to say it, carried on trying to, and it got louder and louder. And then in the end, he went, he, he said, in the name of Jesus. And he said the demon shrunk to a small little demon and ran out the room. You know, it, he had to exercise the name of Jesus to be able to get a powerful um, uh, uh, shot. And I want to tell you, I see this in Christians. They'll tell me, brother, Jesus is helping me, brother, but their whole life is ruined. I've got the devil under my feet. Tomorrow they're crying like babies, broken, lying wounded. There's something wrong. There's a disconnect in what they're saying and what's actually going on in their life. Brother, I'm just trusting Jesus and then too many are crying in the church. My life is so terrible. It's a disconnect. You know, and I don't think people believe that, in, in, uh, that the name of Jesus can uh, uh, do all the things that it can actually do. Alright, so we've learned to use it in, in many circumstances. Sometimes if a guy's talking to you, demons inhabit people. You know what I mean? And the people come and talk to you. But because we don't have any discernment of spirits, we don't know. We think it's just this oak being difficult now with us. I don't know how many countless times we do this. The guy shouting at me or something, I just say to him straight, I bind that spirit in you in the name of Jesus while he's talking. He doesn't even hear you because the demon doesn't hear you. He just goes, Stay and say, and then I can talk to him. But he didn't even hear what you said. We exercise the power of the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? On this earth. We don't let demons flip and terrorize us and push us around and all this kind of thing. We've got Jesus' name. You know, so, um, you know, we've got to learn to walk in the power of the Lord, you know. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Not so long ago, I was asked to go speak to someone who was committing suicide with one of the guys in our church. He was, um, he said, this guy in my house here, he's trying to kill himself now, like twice or something. He's a British citizen, you know, can I come and speak to him? And, you know, I really didn't feel like it, you know, I didn't know the guy, and I just thought, you know, do I really want to go now talk to this British atheist, you know? Anyway, so Lawrence and I, my elder, we used to work together, we driving home. I said, let's go just see this guy quickly, man, you know, we'll tell him more now we're coming. And uh, we phoned, we said, is he there? He said, yeah. So we went in there, and Mornay came and sat down behind us, and I started speaking to this guy about Jesus, and the next thing he got saved, radically saved, crying pools of water on the, on the floor. So I prayed for him afterwards, as, uh, as we normally do before we go, you know, you know, and I lay hands on him and say, a stupid thing, which I should have known better, and done it under a different circumstance, I said, I command the devil to come out of this man in Jesus' name, not thinking we're going to go to town now. The next minute, this guy sat up and his whole face turned. Assumes the face, all the features change into a demon's face. And he stands up and he roars like a lion. Roaring like a lion. And we're like, Mon, the oak he brought us is like hiding away in the corner. So we, Lawrence, so we carry on rebuking and commanding it to come because you can't stop. Demons are rebels. They don't listen sometimes. So we're casting this thing, I'm casting it, and the next thing that thing comes out, it comes out in like a big bang. But now he's got hundreds of things, he starts coughing, coughing as his spirits are coming out of him, coughing till he, he can't even breathe in much. I'm morning, I get a bucket, I don't know what's going to happen here with this guy. Anyway, 
for about, I mean, maybe 10 minutes, he's coughing till he can't cough anymore. And then he, he seems to be okay. He gets up and then this thing picks him up and throws him into the seat and, and tears him. That's all I can say, like the Bible says. Ah, like this, you know what I mean? And then he passes out. So then he knows he's dead, you know? So I go to him, I, I remember what Jesus did. I went and picked him up by his hand. He said, hey, brother. Ah, he wakes up. He doesn't even know who we are. What are you guys doing here? Where am I? We told him, explained to him what had really gone through and that. And he said, afterwards he was like shocked. You know? He said, thank you. you know what? And he, he went and slept for four hours straight. Well, you are not dealing with flesh and blood. Eh? That was a death demon in that guy. That's why he was trying to commit suicide all the time. You know what I mean? It was driving that devil, steal, kill and destroy. It was pushing him to that suicide all the time. Alright, so that's a different use of a weapon. Praise. And I'm only addressing a few weapons today as I don't have the time to go through them all. But I have to speak about this weapon of warfare because I want to tell you if anything is needed today, it's this one. We have a major problem in the church and the world with depression, anxiety and fear. Depression being the number one. Never before have I seen so many Christians on pills, you know, struggling, you know with uh, being diagnosed with bipolar or some other depression problem. I'm telling you, they take uppers, uh, you know, to pick themselves up. I kid you not. They tell me, then they've got to take downers because they got too high now to bring them down. And then they've even got another pill to keep you in the middle. They shiver like this. These guys are not capable of actually doing anything in their life. They are utterly bound by pills and depression. You know what I mean? And it's an absolute terrible thing that we're seeing Christians now, when they get to feel a little bit depressed, they go to the doctor, says you bipolar, take all these medicines. You know? And the guy's like a psychotic after a couple of weeks. And they can't even talk to them. So it's a real problem. Depression, oppression, and suppression are weapons of the enemy to discourage and destroy Christians and people in the world. People say, I'm sick and my hormones are not right or I have a chemical imbalance. So I have depression. So it's not my fault. Nothing's my fault, brother. This is the problem. But in the East, the shamans, they look at your aura to diagnose diseases in you, in the occult. They look at your aura, the color of your aura, and they can see from the color of your aura where you're sick in your body. Then they manipulate your aura by their witchcraft or whatever, manipulate it so that that sickness is gone from you. Do you think demons cannot do that? That they can manipulate your hormones? That they can uh, put sickness or whatever on your life? I mean, are we living on this planet? You know, and people think that that's not possible. In the, in the satanic brotherhoods, the, the demons use cancer as a disciplinary tool on all their members. You don't listen, you get cancer. You end up going through chemotherapy, all the horrors of it, and then when they feel you've had enough, they just take it away from you. It's the most common tool used in the satanic brotherhoods for discipline. Cancer. And who gives it to them? The demons. You know, we've got to wake up church. I tell you, you know, you ask any satanist that's in the, in the body. They'll tell you that, uh, the truth. So... Did the Lord not say in Hosea 4 verse 6, My people are destroyed because lack of knowledge. Um, and here is an example of demons causing depression. Once, uh, Samuel 16, 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord traveled in. 
In another version says evil spirits. Okay? And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. So he's, he's freaking out. He's, he's troubled. He's depressed. He's down. He's, he can't get rid of it. Verse 16, Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit of God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I've seen the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, the Lord is with him. And in verse 23, it says, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David take a harp and played with his hand, and Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. There you see uh, uh, an, an example of using music and praise and worship to get rid of it. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, To console those in mourning Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Garment of praise for the spirit is. I used to get such a black depression that I couldn't get out of bed. I, I know that darkness. I fought it my whole life and had not the power to withstand it. I understood that kind of depression. And being in prison, you would think for the rest of your life will not help it at all. So I understood. But I was a Christian quite a long time before I'm hearing what you hear. That we've got a weapon against us. And I was quite excited to find that out. Hang on a moment. I can do something about this in my life. You know, so I was actually quite looking forward to the next time I got depressed to try this out. You know, I thought, well, I'm sick of this thinking thing in my life. You know, and it was a couple of weeks later, I woke up in the morning and there I was. Heavy. You can't even talk, you know what I mean? You can't, you just feel like hell itself on you, you know, depressed and utterly down and broken. And then I remembered what I'd learned. So I tried to sing a song, but I couldn't remember any songs. Because I didn't know any songs. But I sat there trying to think of a song that I could sing, and all I could remember was a Sunday school song, Jesus Loves Me. That's all I could remember. So I started to try to sing, Jesus Loves Me. And you can't even sing. You don't want to sing. You just want to lie down and die. But you're just sitting there, and I'm pushing the words through, Jesus Loves Me. There's an Jesus Loves Me. I'm pushing. Nothing's happening. But I carry on. And then I feel something shift on me. I kid you not. Everybody that we have taught this to, has exactly the same experience. I want to just tell you that. You, you will feel that thing move. Because it doesn't like it. It gets uncomfortable. Then I knew I'm onto something here, yeah, and I started to push to singing the same song, the little song, the Sunday school song, over and over and over again. And then I felt it, and then it just broke off me, and the glory of God came in. And all my years of 36 years of ministry, I have learned to deal with depression now. I put on a CD, I, I, even if things are going wrong on all my sites, there's trouble everywhere, phones are, I know the devil's in town. Okay, I'm getting hit everywhere, phones ring, this problem here, that problem there. This, I switch off my phone sometimes, pull over to the side of the road, I put a CD in a praise and worship, and I sit and I sing, I take my Bible out, and I read, I sing and read, sing and read, and I feel better straight away. And I put my phone back on, say I'm coming, I go and sort everything out. It's no problem. Everywhere in my life that I now ever feel that spirit coming on me, I use the garments of praise and the spirit. But you cannot just 
You've got to use first it's praise. It doesn't say worship songs. You've got to discern between the two. What is praise songs? What is worship songs? And you've got to push it through. You can't. The enemy is a rebel. He will stay as long as he can. Sometimes you push him off, then they come back. You push him off, they come back. You mustn't give up. You know, and I'm, it's pretty much out of my life. I hardly ever have that anymore. I think they've given up now. I get discouraged, but that's not the same as depression. You know, never that black depression in my life again. So the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness is an incredible weapon of our warfare. You know what I mean? That we are able to defeat that demon from hell in completely. And I want to tell you, we try and teach all our people that are coming. We've got some people that have been really on poles and, and, and shivering and shaking and their whole life. They've tried to kill themselves, I don't know how many times. You know what I mean? We have been teaching them this and it's working. You cannot believe the person, look on the person's face. You cannot believe the light. She's giving a testimony tonight at Christine's uh, um, cell group tonight. You know what I mean? You cannot believe the, the relief people are getting finding this out. But it's a war. You've got to go to war. You've got to fight back. You've got to do something. And I think a lot of Christians just want to go take a pill. It's easier. But you're paying a terrible price. Look, we don't tell the people to come off their pills. We teach them this. And we say, you go tell the doctor, let the doctor tell you you're okay now. Because we don't want someone dying now. You know what I mean? But we can physically see the difference in, the, in, in people. I mean, try to commit suicide three or four times already, and the light is on their face. We can win the battles. Every battle that you have, there's a weapon for it. The sin that's, that you can't overcome, there's a weapon for it. For the fear that you're having at night, there's a weapon for it. The depression, the anxiety, the sleeplessness, there's a weapon for it. And we've got to know the weapons of our warfare to be able to wield them correctly. Now there are many more weapons of our work that I don't have time to address today, like fasting, the blood of Jesus, prayer, binding and loose, prayer itself and binding, but prayer in a, in a warfare sense, okay? Binding and loosing and the love of Christ. There are many weapons that we have that we can use, store against the enemy if those ones don't work. God has given us every weapon that we need to de- defeat anything in the enemy's arsenal that he has got. Anything that he's got, we can defeat it by what Christ has has taught us. There is no reason for us to be lost, broken, uh, depressed, uh, suppressed, or oppressed. That oppression, you know, I think, I don't know if I told you that story, but um, this one woman was a nurse. She was being totally um, attacked at work every single day you know, about some woman who was going for all the time, and she came crying to her house, and I said to her, that's a demon, that's, that, guy's, that woman's been using her, the demon's using her. She, I thought she, she thought it was funny, actually. She thought, no, I'm talking nonsense now. I said, come, we're going to pray for you. We prayed for, we bound that spirit using that woman against us when we bound and cast it out. We can't make that person a Christian, we can't force them to, but we can deal with that stinking demon that is attacking our Christian brother. She, we, I forgot about it. Next morning, we working, whatever, we get a phone call. She says this woman came to her with open arms and said, I am sorry, I have been terribly ugly to you, and put her arms around her, and they're the best of friends. You, oppression, suppression, depression is demonic. 
And I'm telling you, you can, we cannot even tell you how many stories we cover our children. When they are under attack by people at work. And we can tell you horrifying stories that the, how the Lord has dealt in situations like that. They find us sometimes crying. This person at work not so long ago, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Too, too, the ending was too terrible for that person. But we rebuke that devil that's using that person. And they an immediate shift. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I just want to tell you that you've got to, we've got to get out of this thing. That person that's giving you a hard time all the time, all the time. You, you're getting cross to that person. You're fighting the person, but it's not the person. In Timothy, we're told the devil takes people captive at will. They're his people. You can walk in and out of them like he wants. Talk through them, shout at you. Make them do things against you. And yeah, you think it's the person all the time. They're getting angry with it. Take that spirit that's using him. Knock it out. In Jesus' name. And then you're going to see a complete change in the person who's not being manipulated anymore. I've been 36 years in the faith in this life. I've seen it all. I've seen everything possibly that the enemy can throw at us in the arsenal against us or people in our churches or friends of mine. And we know these weapons... Because you can go from what we've just been speaking now into the heavier weapons. We can fast. And, but you've got to fast. We can talk about it maybe one day, another time. But, you know, there are ways to do things. You know, we can pray, but you need to know how to pray to defeat the enemy. So, you know, we've got to stop being pushed around and that when we shouldn't be, you know. Um, we need to be overcoming Christians that God can use in this world and we, we should be able to we should be able to walk into someone's home and stick our shields over them like this and push those demons right out that house get out in Jesus name I remember going to a, a flatlet and the woman said I've got a lady spirit that comes and sits on my bed at night you know every night I feel my bed going and I've seen her because the lady spirit I said we'll deal with her don't worry about that <laughs> never another never came back there again you know what I mean? We're Christians. We're warriors of the Lord, man. I was listening to the radio one day in my car. And you might have heard this in some... I might have mentioned it in some other meeting at some time. But it really made an impact because I heard this story. I didn't read it. I was listening in my car to this uh, on my way to work one day. On the Christian radio, you know? And um, it was a story of this American Top Gun pilot. And he's telling us a story about his life and that. And then he's telling us... What happened one day at uh, an airport up in the north where the mountains are, whatever. And uh, he said he was on duty there the one day and uh, he had his latest F-35 or I don't know what it was in those days, F-14, I can't remember. You know, outside there and he was on duty in the area and it was very misty. And a call came through um, to the control tower that there was a guy lost in his Cessna plane up in the mountains. He lost all his instruments he didn't know which way he was home. He didn't know where the mountains were. Even he was panicking and screaming for help. So they said to him, can't you just go help this guy quickly in your plane? You know, just go and help him out. You know? So he said, I jumped into my F-35 or whatever it was, 14. And he said, I shot off, put my radar on, found the guy quickly in the mist, pulled up next to him, throttled back, throttled back, waved to him through the window, established radio contact with him. Said, listen to me now, don't worry, I'm going to fly in front of you, I'm going to put my backlights on, and I'm going to lead you down to the airport. So the guy said, thank you, and he led him all the way through the mist, and he landed. 
And when he got it, this guy got out of the plane, he ran and he came and he was crying and he hugged this guy and he said, thank you, you know, I was lost, I couldn't have made it without, if you hadn't have come up. And he said to us, he said to us on the radio, he said, we need to be those kind of Christians. We need to be the state-of-the-art fighter plane that God can deploy anywhere in the world. In any situation, anyhow, because we have all the weapons we need. We have the power to be able to deliver and lead the lost to Christ and to help those that are broken. I've never forgotten that, you know. And my challenge to you is, are you the state of an art fighter plane that the God can put, God can put you anywhere? There's a situation where we go. Put us in it. We, we go in it. You know what I mean? Where's the most difficult place in our area and the most crime? We going in. Let's find the worst worst oaks and go speak to them first. You know, we, we've got to have that ability to do that, but you also need those state-of-the-art weapons to be able, because you are going to engage the enemy. You are going to engage the enemy out there. And so you know how to be, to be able to defeat them. Amen. Um, I'm going to end with two scriptures. So... The world needs powerful Christians that are not bound by sin, afraid of darkness, and are fully equipped to defeat the enemy and drive him from the battlefield to fulfill God's will. We are to be the enforcers of Christ's victory on earth, and the darkness should fear us, not us fear the darkness. Ephesians 6.13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And James 4 verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil. Work constantly and he will flee from you. Flee means run away as if in terror. Okay? Resist. Fight. Don't give up. Don't give up on that sin that's biting. Don't give up on those fears that you have. Resist. Fight back. If it's not working, find another weapon. Go ask somebody to pray for you. Do whatever you have to do. Resist. Fight. All the time. This is not a time of peace that we're in. And we can't win these battles on our own battlefields. We are not going to be able to help others who are struggling terribly. So I want to encourage you in that. You know, resist and you will flee from you. Amen? Okay. That's all I've got to say about that. I think uh, that's my time, man. Eh? Okay. Yeah. What's the difference I think Peter can give us a better description of that uh, um, from a uh, um, dictionary point of view. You're talking about suppression, suppression and oppression. Yeah. yeah. Well, suppression is from top down. Yeah. yeah. Oppression could come from within. Yeah. I mean, a suppress, like suppressing fire, you're putting fire in you could be oppressed by governments you know what I mean you know you could be suppressed by demons in your personal life you know that kind of thing you know and we are to you know we are called to fight against these things step up for it you can't always go to war against um, oppression but you can resist in many ways you know you could join political parties whatever you're doing something about it you're making a voice you know and suppression is often on ourselves, I suppose, at, uh, at night, demons that hold you fa- fast at night that you can't talk. All this trick in the book of the enemy. You know? Hey? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. That is a demonic thing. I just want to tell you that right now. I'll tell you how to defeat that. Which weapon? And because I didn't have it here, I didn't speak about it. 
It's quite common in the Christian faith. I want to tell you straight away. Um, it's a thing that holds you at night. You feel the evil presence. You can't speak because it holds your tongue. You know, you can't talk at all, so you can't say the name of Jesus. You know, you can't seem to fight back. And it's just you're absolutely frozen in the same spot. You can't move left or right. You know what I mean? That, it used to be common in prison because we were in an evil place. So we, it was a big joke amongst the Christians. Uh, the thing used to hold us at night. And, you know, and you're trying to think in the name of Jesus. You can't even think. You can't think anything. All you can just do is try and hold on the name of Jesus. And then after a long time, it sort of breaks off you and goes away, you know? So we had this thing constantly. And then one night, I'm lying in my bed. And it's quite late at night, dark. Most of the guys are sleeping. I'm lying on my bed and I just have a sense of things coming in through the door now. It's coming for me now. So I think, I, I, I think I've got a shield of faith over me. And as it hits me, I hit just boom, like that. But it didn't actually work. Wrong weapons. It just pushed me, boom, down again. Oh, I feel that terrible evil again. And now I hate that thing, man. You know, you can't move. Somebody can walk past your bed and you're absolutely frozen. You can't actually even ask them for help you. You know what I mean? You know, they can walk right past you. I've been frozen sitting up in my, like this in the, in the daytime. Completely, and people are walking around me and I can't move. But that stupid thing. Anyway, so this time, after a long time of this happening, I'm lying there, after that time with the shield of faith, that, that didn't work. And this thing is just on me and I can't get rid of it. And a thought comes into my mind. The blood of Jesus. Think about the blood of Jesus. So... That's all I could do. I could just think of the cross and the blood and as it just broke off me immediately. And it hit another guy that was sleeping. He went, ah, somebody shouted as it jumped off me. I mean, it pummeled him and ran out the room, you know. But never again have I had that thing. That weapon work. You know what I mean? Never again have I had that perilous thing in my life again. That weapon did it. So, you know, there are weapons of our warfare that we have that the Lord has given us, you know, that we can deploy under any circumstance. But it's a very real thing. Um, it's why some people put their beds on bricks and that, they're scared of that thing. That, uh, it's, a, it's a principality, it's a, it's a lower-ranking demon, looks like a monkey that jumps on you. You know, I don't know what its end game is, you know what I mean, it terrify you or, or what, you know, and put you in fear or uh, make you ineffective or scared or something like that because it, it doesn't prevail in the end you always do prevail against it you know, it's like, what's the point but anyway you know, that's, uh, that's with that uh, creature you know? anyway, so what about those people who complain about nightmares that really paralyze them at night yeah there's a lot to do with this um you have to remove the reason for those nightmares. I'll give you an example now. I had a girlfriend um, in school. Um, was my, my first girlfriend. Went out with about two years. You know, um, so it was a big thing for me. She broke up with me in the army when I was in the bush fighting in the battle one day. You know, and I never recovered at that stage of my life from that. But I was a Christian for a long time. Hey? But I used to dream about the school. That I wake up exhausted. Like I've been running the whole night. Utterly emotionally drained and exhausted in the mornings. I get up and I'm like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Just having these dreams about this, uh, this woman, you know? And um, it went on for a long time. Demons run with you in your dreams, but there must be a reason for it. There's an opening for it that you've got to close. 
So I read a book, on, and this thing came up in it, and it spoke about soul ties in this particular case. And there was a prayer there about breaking this tie that I had with this woman. You know what I mean? And I prayed it, never had it again in my life. Gone. Just broke it. There was a reason why I was having that. So if you're having dreams and things like that, there, there can often be a reason, a film you watched, that, had, that put a seed of fear in you that you haven't got out of your life. I'll give you an example. I get called to a youth group uh, um, some, uh, a couple of years back, and I wasn't on duty that night. They said, please, hey, this ice demon possessed. The kids brought another kid, his demon is going crazy in the place. So I went to go there, um, uh, got this oak under control, got a hold of that thing, uh, brought it out of me, peace again. But I said, Where, what's been going on? Where have you two been? They're both non-believers. They've been watching, um, um, what is that movie, um, on Satan, Constantine. The boy got demon possessed in Constantine. I'm so bad. Now, Christians, we make doorways in our lives. Yeah. You're watching, you know how many Christians go to these vampire films? I, I kid you not. We used to sit at the restaurant there at Bayside, watching them walk right past us and going to Twilight. And we lost our minds. These are the enemies of Christ. They've got the upside down cross. They exist in the brotherhoods of vampire cults. What are we doing even watching their movies? So if this young man could have got demon-possessed through watching Constantine, what about us? You don't get fully, but they can, they can arrest you and torment you because you lead, they've got legal ground to be there. So sometimes you need to ask the Lord, what is the problem? Is, you know, where's the problem that I need to close, that I need to repent of, maybe, something? You know what I mean? That porn, been watching porn and it's not confessed. You've got a wide open doorway. That enemy, you know what? You'll lie dormant for a year in your life. So that you can't pick it up. And then they'll hit you. And suddenly your life falls apart. They've got the gap, but they don't show themselves. Sometimes a year they lie dormant. And then everything starts going wrong in your life. Depression, anxiety. You start losing the plots. You can't see what it is. So I would look for that um, immediately with those kind of dreams, that it's constant, that that's, uh, sounds like a, a, a movie or something scared them or something that they need to sort it out, you know? Like that, yeah. Is there anything else? It's interesting, um, I've read a book that you were Nepalese were astonished that this was physically seeking. Yeah, oh, I can believe it. And I'm just thinking back to fairy stories like the Red Riding Hood in the old days in Europe. Mm. I think we had the same sort of thing with trolls and forests. Yeah. And, and it all changed after the Reformation. Yeah. We sort of lost that. Now mm. as the Reformation's receding, it's yeah. coming back. Yeah. But we've lost the sermons. I want to tell you something. You ask the Lord when you're dealing with people to show you what's in that person. You're going to get a fright. Look in the eyes of the windows to the soul. Okay? Look in the eyes and look when you're talking to that person for what you're dealing with. If you look, you'll see it. Often manifest in the face while they're talking, you'll go like this. And then carry on talking again. <laughs> you know? 
or they'll look at you funny, you know? Well, talk, if you know what, if God doesn't scare you, if you're going to be scared by things like that, then the Lord's going to leave it. But if you want to know what you're dealing with in the spiritual realm, I want to tell you something, the Lord will show you, and uh, sometimes we're in a meeting and then there's somebody sitting going like this, uh, carrying on, nobody's seen it. But you can see them doing it. That thing's manifesting in them. It's a, a, a spirit of lust. It shows in the face. Or anger. It goes whole face. And he carries on talking again like normal. He doesn't even know he did it. But that thing's manifesting in them because you are people of God. You know? And we know. You know, we, we need to know what we're dealing with sometimes. You know? And so we, we, don't, we don't discern. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Watch the eyes. And from there you can see what's in the heart of it. You can even see the Christian sinning actually. You know, if you if a Christian walks in, you look at them, you can just see on their face, in the color of their eye, you can see the darkness on them. If you look for it. If you don't look for it and you don't want to know, that's fine. You know, you need we need to be able to discern these things. Often, some will come for prayer and I'll just say, you, you've been up to, like especially with the youth and that you were in the pubs. I'm not a prophet. I can just see on his face that he's not looking right for him. Something's not right in this oak's face. And I'll say to him, are you in the pubs again this weekend? No, oh, how did you know? We told you. No. Nobody. I just can see the sin on his face. If you look, you know, you've got to train yourself in spiritual things. It makes us much more effective. Especially in dealing with the lost. You know, you're trying to talk to this person and then they, you'll, you'll see that thing that in, her, in her face and then you know what you're dealing with. It is. You know what I mean? You can help her. You know, we, we, we're so scared of spiritual things, it's crazy, you know. Um, and, and God respects that if you like that. You'll just leave it then. You don't have to do that at all. You know what I mean? Okay. Anything else? What's the difference you said there's a difference between praise and worship? There's different praise songs. Now, I'm not the musician expert, but uh, if you if you go to like the CD shop, you'll see praise songs and worship songs. Sometimes you have praise and worship songs on a CD, you know. So choose the praise ones. It does it, it does make a difference. Garments of praise from the spirit of heaviness, you know. Could the difference be that worship is directed to God, praise is proclaiming to the people about God. Perfect. Thank you. That's actually very good. Yeah. So we've got to use the right weapons. I tell you, and they work. You know, um, everything that God has given us. You know, we could talk about fasting at some uh, stage later. That is a devastating weapon that God has given us. Devastating. If used right. You can't do what the people are doing today. They're fasting TV. I kid you not. Or He's, he's fasting their chocolates or something. I did not. I, I mean, I've heard some stuff, you know. Um, so that's not fasting, you know. And uh, but we could. It's quite a, a subject. But that is also no, there's no reason for us to fail at all in anything, you know. Why do you think people here, like in a lot of developed countries, don't really believe in spiritual things? Because like if you go to places like Africa, people know these things. That's right. People have seen these things. People, everyone knows these things are real. But in places like here, people don't even believe. They they educated. They now you know above these kind of things. You know, 
but they're not actually. They've just been taken out, their families, their kids on drugs, you know what I mean? Their lives are shattered, they've been divorced three times, they've been hammered by demons, and they, don't, they can't see it. They're as blind as anything. So it's an absolute blindness on this world. Yeah? It's like a pendulum, especially in the church. You know, there's no spiritual warfare. Yeah. Everything is spiritual warfare. Yeah. So that's if right. the lights go out, you pray against the that's right. instead of the... You can have the crazies on the other side. Yeah. No, I've had people anointing the doors and the windows with yeah. oil. There's a place for this, but not always. I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you an example of that. One of my men uh, lives in Danun and that is having a real problem. Can't sleep at nights. And uh, they're Christians, but you know, I tell you, the, the way they are Christians, and we, it's not the same, you know, they mix a lot of stuff into their Christianity. But anyway, cut a long story short, he says to me, um, I haven't been able to sleep for maybe a year or something. Can't see properly at night. He says, uh, "Me and my wife." You know? So I gave him a bottle of oil that we use for anointing the sick. You know? It's any oil, it can be any oil. Gave it to him and said, "I want you to go and anoint your house, floors, walls, ceilings, and then rebuke anything that's in your house out." Next day, slept like a baby. Never had another problem. You know, sometimes physically doing something can work. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're having a real problem in your life in your quiet time, take a sword out and swing it at that enemy, you know? Just the action alone, you know? It actually outworks in as well as your own. You know, so it's not the oil, like they're selling the oil for a thousand rand and things, it's not the oil, it's the action of putting your trust in the Lord, I think that works. Because he's never not had another sleepless night. You know what I mean? So there is places for these, but as you said, other guys will take it to the nth degree. You know what I mean? Right you know? Yeah, no, no. No, no. Then you, then you just go right out of the end, you know? Well, you always get that. The thing in Inkwell at the devil in Buckwick Castle. He yeah. saw the devil. Yeah. That real. The devil was there. That's the right. He was translated in the Bible, yeah. the New Testament, and he flung the Inkwell. Yeah. I mean, you can ask me what it'd be like. Not all. He saw it. It was real, real to Luther. Of course he saw it. He knew it. I don't have a doubt. Yeah. Absolute doubt that he saw the. Yeah, because of the, the, the rank structure of the devils, we, we might not be dealing with very high-level demons because we're not making a huge impact in the world. But men like Martin is not the only one that has seen the devil. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, if you knew him, he also had an encounter with Lucifer. But top guys in the world that make an impact, it's, it's, it's quite a few of them that have seen Lucifer himself. He then goes to them. He's not going to come to me in my room and your room. You know, we'll start it with the, the principalities and then defeat them. And then you might deal with a, a, a power and then later on a, a hiring. But, you know, these structures of demonic forces over the city, there's a demon over this city, he's got his armies underneath him that obey him. We're dealing with these mods most of the time. You know, they don't, we don't warrant the higher ranking Beelzy Bubs and that to come visit us. Not, not, not me, not yet, you know what I mean? We're not making that kind of impact. But if you're destroying the enemy's kingdom in a big way, and like Martin Luther did, I mean, he turned that whole thing, the whole world upside down in his life. You know what I mean? You're making an impact. You are warrant a visit from that day. You know? And the thing is, if we can put him to flight, what other stinking demon in the world will we not be able to put to flight? You know what I mean? People are so scared of stuff, you know? 
what other demon can't do? If he must flee, what about the rest of these horrors, things that are around? You know what I mean? They haven't got a chance. You know, we've got to have that attitude of boldness, you know, and never say die, you know? When I was in the Sartre just shortly after the overthrow of Rwanda the local uh, Christians are sitting in a prayer meeting with some very high power Zambians. They've been cabinet ministers and ambassador to the UN for Zambia time. They were telling me Kenneth Rwanda used to have seances in the state house and Satan would appear to bodily. And oh, I must have made the kind of disbelieving. They said, I know you whites don't believe, but it happened. He said, he had Dos Santos, and he had Mugabe, and uh, Mobutu says, Savior, there were guests here, and Satan would appear to embody. And I said, come with us. I said, it's true. And all of the, these Zambini, and these are totally yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, it happened. When Frederick Chalupa came into State House, he called for all the pastors and to come cleanse State House. They took out hordes of occultic material, burned things, destroyed, prayed in every room. They said the whole place was one big demon possessed place. I don't have a problem with that, I know. It's spoke to yeah. me. I was so unbelieving. Yeah. But as things have gone through years now I'm more inclined to think Absolutely. they see new reality and mm. we just have been No, we live in a world of the, the shocking thing in the Bible is be careful to entertain strangers or many have entertained angels unawares. You know what I mean? But the, the enemies walk around in human form. Every Satanist can tell you that. They're doppelgangers. They take human form. And the only way you know that they are what they are is when they touch you, you feel like a burn. You don't feel it's the only way they discern in the black masses and what's human and what is. They, they are, you know what I mean? We live in a dream world. Satan takes on human form and walks around the earth. 14th century Christian writings tell us he uses three names. Johnny be good, um, Jay be good enough, and what was the other one? What was the first name? What's something good fellow? What is it? Uh, anyway, Jay be good enough, uh, Johnny be good. Remember the song, Johnny be good? Um, and... Um, Robin Goodfellow. 14th century Christian uses those three names on the earth. Who did Karl Marx said he spoke to in the in the in the bar? Huh? Robin Goodfellow. See, I used to meet a good fellow called Robin Goodfellow. And we used to have long discussions. The enemy also takes human form. His angels take human form. You know what I mean? So I don't think they worry about you and me, but maybe Dr. Peter Hammond's more of a threat. But you know what I mean, you know? But I'm saying that, yeah. That's why Satan's laugh at Christians, because they see all these things. And then the Christians say, oh, we don't believe in devils and demons. They're like, what? You know, you guys are really children. They laugh at us. I watched a witch. You know, they, they actually laugh at us. They come there and they think we're children, actually. Because we so don't know anything to them. You know, to them, they think we don't know anything. They're like, look at us, you know, so really children. You know, it's what you believe, you know, but we're not children, but you know what I mean, that's what they think. You know. I'm telling you. 
Uh, I think God doesn't let us see them because we fear. You know, if you saw some hoho now coming up here, then people would get terrified, you know, and say, hide that from us, you know, uh, that we don't see these things because, you know, it's like the children of Israel, God couldn't send them straight into battle because they would have run away when they came out of being slaves, you know. You know what I mean? So I think that's with us. That's why we don't see them. That's why he spares us. That, uh, you know, um, it's granted to some and few, but um, not, not much of it. You know?